0: Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, and we'll read that in just a moment. But as you're turning there, I just thought I'd share with you as we're getting ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas and we're anticipating purchasing and buying gifts, my wife Leah is, in my mind, the best gift giver She genuinely is, and it's not necessarily just the gift, it's the thought that she puts into the gift. Gift Gift-giving is her love language. She loves to give gifts, thoughtful gifts, and I can think of several times in our marriage, where she has surprised me one time with a trip to visit my friend in Colorado, and I came home. It was for my birthday. I came home, and she had a map of the United States pinned to the wall, and she had the airline, you know, going from Pennsylvania to Colorado, and I'm like, what is she doing? And here she surprised me with this trip to visit my best friend in Colorado, which was amazing. And then during the pandemic, uh, when we were all isolated and quarantined from each other on my 30th birthday, she uh, put together like this montage of people who meant the world to me in this little video where they were wishing me happy birthday, and it was a huge blessing uh, to me. I'm a people person, so to be separated from people is difficult. So to see some of those faces, it was just so encouraging to me, and she always does this. One of her vows in, at our marriage was actually that she vowed to make my birthday special, So she always does, she always finds a way. She is the best gift giver. I'm a horrible gift giver. You can ask her about that later. I don't wanna tell on myself in front of you, but I am the worst gift giver. I try and I fail every time. So I recognize though that as great of a gift giver that Leah is, it reminds me of how good of a gift giver we have in our Heavenly Father. We have a good father who gives good gifts to his children. Do you believe that? My guess is that some of you don't believe that. And I understand that. We struggle with that sometimes, to believe that God is good and that he gives good gifts. But we actually see this theme throughout Scripture a lot, that we actually have a good father in heaven who gives good gifts to his children. Jesus says, speaking of the father, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He is a good Father who gives good gifts to his children. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians right in the beginning, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. That we have a good father who gives good gifts. And we see James says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. We have a good father in heaven who gives good gifts to his children. And I understand, again, that might be hard for some of us to believe. Uh, because we have moments in our lives that have caused us to doubt that. We have insecurities. But God is a good Father who gives good gifts, and he has gifted you. God has gifted you, and many of us struggle with that truth. And I pray that as we get to spend time together today looking at these verses, that you would understand that you have been, been designed with a specific task at a specific point in time, with the specific group of people that God has placed around you. That there is a unique group of people that only you can reach, and God has gifted you to reach them. And that God has given you very specific gifts to accomplish the specific task that he's called you to. We have a good father who has given us good gifts. And the passage that I wanna look at today here, found in Romans chapter 12, talks about those good gifts. So let's do something a little bit different. Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's word? Here's what it says. "'For by the grace given to me, "'I say to everyone among you, "'not to think of himself more highly "'than he ought to think, "'but to think with sober judgment, "'each according to the measure of faith "'that God has assigned.'" The one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The reading of God's word, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I recognize that this has become a little bit of a theme for me in my life. I got the opportunity to speak, I think, just a few weeks or months ago, and I spoke from Ephesians chapter 4, which also talks about the gifts that God has given the church, and we see a couple different places in the New Testament. We see in Ephesians, we see in Romans, and we see in Corinthians different lists of gifts that God has given, and each one of those lists is different from one another, which I think is helpful for us to understand then how we specifically are gifted, but I'm learning that this is a little bit of like a a passion of mine to talk about the gifts that we have as the body of Christ. And I think it comes from this place of me not always understanding very well how it is that I'm gifted and feeling frustrated by that. And I'm sure that that's true for you as well, that there's moments in life where you feel like, well, the church kind of seems like they have it all together. I don't really know where I could use my gifts, and I don't really know if I am that gifted anyway. But I hope today that as we look at God's word, you can see that you are gifted in incredible ways and in a unique way that is specific to you. You know, I, I, we break up the, the, the gifts And the list of gifts in these three different places that we read in Scripture, and we tend to try and look at those gifts and we try to compartmentalize them and think, well, which gift am I? But when we see that those gifts are all different and those lists of gifts are different, we realize that the the lists are not exhaustive, but rather we're made up of a combination of those gifts, That we have a combination of those gifts at work in our lives, and it's unique to us and to our situation that God has placed us in. And so it's not just that I'm only one of those gifts and not the other. Like, I'm not called to serve. No, we're all called to serve. I mean, wouldn't that be nice though? It's like I would help, but not called to serve. It's not my gift. (laughs) That's not my gift. I can't serve. I can't do. No, we're all called and we all have a different makeup, right? Of those gifts and of the list of gifts uh, that we see. So I'm just excited to talk about the ways in which God has gifted us uniquely as the body of Christ and how Romans here explains uh, how those things work together. And I want to explain, too, before we really dive into the text, that the way in which your gifts oftentimes are Revealed don't always take place in the structure of the church as we understand it. Right? We typically try to think like, well, the church is structured in a certain way. And so, in order for my gift to function, I have to be in a certain role so that way my gifts can be utilized. And, you know, much of your life is going to take place outside of what we do here on a Sunday morning. We come together on a Sunday morning and we gather in worship. And, and yeah, our gifts are being utilized, but we live the rest of our lives wherever God has placed us, in, in our communities, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, and there's a specific group of people that God has placed around you, and you're gifted specifically to reach those people. Your coworkers, if you are a believer, and if you work around unbelievers, God has placed you there, consider this. God has placed you there so that you could let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You're called, that's your mission field. That is where you are to use your God-given gifts and abilities to bring glory to God and to see his kingdom expand. So yeah, you're not gonna always find the perfect outlet just here at church for what we do on a Sunday. It's because your gifts are supposed to go with you throughout the week, And you're supposed to use those in the places that God has planted you for his glory. So it's not gonna always just work. I think that we get this idea that, like, in order for my gifts to be used, I've got to be somebody in the church. I've got to rise to a level level of leadership. I've got to be able to grow and build a ministry and a following and amass this group of people. It's like, that's like, that's not how it works, right? It's not just in the church that our gifts are being. Utilize It's as we go about living our lives. It's leading Bible studies in the communities that God has placed us in. It's wherever he's called us. That's the gifts that God has given us, and we use them where he's placed us. So let's keep that in mind. We don't want to kind of put the church in a box, and we don't want to place ourselves in a box, but we want to recognize the possibilities that exist for the gifts that God has given us, and find creative expressions for those uh, throughout every area of our lives. So with that out of the way, let's look at the text. It starts in verse 3 by saying, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Paul starts off right away showing us how this works. He starts off by saying, for the, by, by the grace given to me, this is my gift. This is how God is working in my life. By the grace given to me, I say to you. Obviously here he's using the gift of teaching and exhortation, right? And so he's saying, by the grace that God has given to me, I say to you. He's now operating in his gift, and he's exemplifying for us how we operate in our gift, by the grace given to us. We use the gift that God uh, has given us. So by the grace given to us, we use our gifts. And then he begins to lay a foundation for how our gifts are to be used or what our gifts are meant to be built on. I think it's really helpful for us in this verse when he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought. He is saying, and he is showing us here, that the foundation for using our individual gifts is humility. The foundation for using the gift that God has given you is humility. And so often, we want our gifts to be on display, don't we? That we want to know what our gift is, and we want it to be used to the fullest possible potential so that it can bring the most glory to us. When in reality, our gifts were given to us to bring the most glory to God. And so the foundation for our gifts to be utilized is built on humility. And if you desire to use your gift most effectively, as we look at this verse, it starts with the ability to think less of yourself. Now, I know some of us immediately think, not a problem for me. I already think that I'm not that great. Right. If I had to guess, it's like yeah, I already don't think very highly of myself. As a matter of fact, I think I'm nothing. I think I'm worm dirt. You know, I, there's nothing good that I can do. And I think I think as Christians, we get into that kind of habit sometimes where we love to beat ourselves down, don't we? We love, like, for some reason, we love to just kind of beat ourselves down thinking, oh, I can't do anything. I'm no good. I'm so. Br-. But you realize your identity in Christ, that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. That yes, before you came to know Christ, that your works were as filthy rags, but now your work is redeemed. That what you do matters, not just here, but for all eternity, right? And so your life has value. And the gifts that God has given you, he has redeemed for his purpose so that he could be glorified, so that he could build his kingdom. So that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about beating yourself down and making yourself feel like you're no good. I don't mean thinking less of yourself. I mean thinking of yourself less. Less. Like you didn't even consider yourself in that situation. That you just selflessly used your gift for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. When we read this passage, many of us feel like it won't be hard to not think highly of ourselves because we have such a low self image. And whether you have a low view of yourself or a high view of yourself, you still have a self problem, right? You're still looking at yourself. So it's the same thing, it's pride. It's pride if you think too highly of yourself. Like Those people stick out like sore thumbs, don't they? The cocky people, the arrogant people, you know who I'm talking about. It's that person at work that drives you crazy. Oh, they just think they know everything. You know, or at church, or whatever it might be. There's people that stick out to you that you recognize, yeah, they're full of themselves, they're cocky, they're arrogant, and we sit back and we judge them quietly because we're so perfect, right? It's pride too. That's inverted pride, right? And whether you think too highly of yourself or too little of yourself, you're still focusing on yourself. It's still a pride issue. And so I know that you might think today, well, selflessness isn't an issue for me because I already don't think I'm capable. Well, that's the problem. You're either going to underestimate God's ability or overestimate your ability, right you either overestimate your ability or you underestimate God's ability to work through you you realize that it's it's the foolish things of this world that God uses to shame the wise the strong right right God uses those that are foolish in this world he uses uneducated men we read in acts chapter 4 and so don't underestimate the holy spirit's ability to work in your life don't cut short the god-given gifts that he's given you We need to have faith, and we need to use our abilities for God wherever we are, wherever he has called us, with whoever he has placed around us. So how can we know then our gifts? How can we know what our gifts are? We look at these lists. We look at this list here in Romans. Again, we look in Corinthians, and then we look um, in Ephesians. How How do we know our gifts? Well, here's my encouragement to you. Just try some on. Just try a couple of them on. Serve a little and see if maybe you have the gift of serving. Give some and and try to give generously and see if maybe God has given you the gift of generosity. Show some acts of mercy to somebody. You're like, well, I'm definitely not gifted for that, right? Okay, we'll move past that then. And so the reality, try a couple of these gifts on because, again, it's, it's not that these lists are broken up into these little compartments where, oh, I am that, I am that. And yeah, you'll probably show you know, stronger giftedness in certain areas where you are genuinely gifted, but the idea here is that you would, by the love of God, try some of these gifts on and that in time you'll see fruit in areas of your life where you are the most gifted. And that's where you can zone in and narrow in on the gifts that God has given you. So I just want to encourage you, as you look at these lists, don't get caught up feeling like, I don't know which one I am, or I'm only one of these and not the other. No, just try them all on. Give them all a shot and see if God hasn't gifted you in one particular area more than the other. So let's just try a couple of those gifts that we read here on for size. And by embracing our gifts, right, and building upon the foundation of humility, it's then important for us to understand how it enables us to stay in our lane. Stay in your lane. So the first point that I would give you is just that you would learn to think less of yourself, and then the second point would be to stay in your lane. Verses four and five in the beginning of verse six continues by saying, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let's learn to stay in the lane that God has gifted us in most. And not cut each other off or step on each other's toes, but do what we know what it is that God has called us to. You know, I like the way one commentator put it. He says that unity should never be promoted at the expense of individuality. And individuality should never diminish the church's essential unity in Christ. He is our common ground. And so as we are a unified body of believers, your individuality should not be squashed, right? Likewise, though, as an individual, your gifts shouldn't be so great and so wonderful that you kind of crowd out other people, that you learn to stay in your lane, that you learn to be the person that God has called you to be, and you do what he's called you to do where he's placed you with what he's given you. And we can kind of get a picture of that, because Paul wrote this letter to a church filled with both church people and unchurched people, so to speak, or Jewish people and Gentile people. It was a diverse church filled, I'm sure of it, with differing opinions on how church should be done. Can you believe that still happens today? That there are people who still think that they know the best way to do church, and like, I think everybody thinks that they know that, right? Like, we all know, like, well, I would prefer this over that. And I know that I'm right because why? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So this church was filled with people who had different opinions on how church should be done the right way. But in arguing how church should be done, they forgot about the one thing that united them, Christ He's the one who brought us here together. Maybe consider that your gifts are just different than another person's gifts, and that provides them with a perspective that you don't have, and it allows them to reach a certain group of people that you can't reach. Stay in your lane. The problem is, is that we take advantage of what, what Paul is saying here, and we begin to think, yeah, that's right. That's, that's why others should be more understanding of my perspective, But that's the wrong perspective. Instead, we should learn to be quicker and to recognize the importance of how the other members of the body work in conjunction together to bring the most glory to Christ, not making sure that other people see things the way that I see them and that they're doing church the way that I think that they should do church. As members of the body of Christ, pursuing our individual purposes, it can be hard to know our part. And it can be difficult when we aren't playing the part that we feel like we desire to play. But do you really think that God would allow that? Do you think God and his sovereign plan, the good father that we have who gives good gifts to his children, would prevent you from fulfilling the purpose that he called you to? Why would he do that? Why would the sovereign God of all creation create you with specific gifts and then put obstacles in your way to prevent you from living out the call that he's given you? He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. So we need to get rid of that insecurity as if, like, I'm not going to be able to have my gift on display. No, God has gifted you. He's put those gifts in you, and he's going to make a way for you. He's going to open up doors and opportunities for you to live out the call that he has on your life. So humility is the platform for using our gifts. Not any one of us have all of the gifts. And now Paul gives us the attitude in which we should utilize our gifts. And we can see this in verses 6 through 8. He shows us the attitude, which would be my last point, the attitude in which we utilize the gifts that God has given us. And verses six through eight says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So again, just a reminder, it's helpful for us to understand that Paul isn't giving us an exhaustive list. He gives us examples of serving others, teaching God's word patiently, or in exhortation and encouragement. And while the list that Paul gives is not exhaustive, it highlights the attitude in which we use our gifts or the attitude that is necessary to exercise our gifts. Yeah, he gives us the, the, the picture of those who have a special gift of helping others financially, that they should give, not begrudgingly, we can even see that in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, but generously, that when we give, we should give generously, It says that those who lead, or we can lift this from the text, that those who lead often have no one actually holding them accountable, and so it can be easy to coast. And so leaders have to be aware of laziness, that they need to learn how to lead with zeal and with passion to lead well. And those who show mercy to the hurting must not grow weary but must continue to minister with gladness. You see, there's an attitude in which we utilize our gift, and the attitude that we have when we use our gift reveals whether we're using our gift in the flesh or if we're using it in faith. Because if you have the wrong attitude, it's out of your flesh. If you're only serving because, oh, this is my duty, and I'm obligated to do this. If that's the only reason that you're serving, you're serving yourself you're not serving God. God isn't honored by that, and the body isn't built up by that. We have to have the right attitude, and the key in understanding this is that our attitude reveals if what we are doing is by flesh or by faith. If we can't do what we are doing with the right attitude, then what we are doing is in our flesh and does not serve God, but is self-serving. So what might some of these gifts that we read here look like on display at Cornerstone. If this unique combination of gifts that Paul has here in Romans, if we saw these gifts on display, what would that look like? What would it look like if we saw some of these gifts on display? Serving. It says serving, to serve in your service. There are many of us who have come to Cornerstone, and you could tell me if I'm wrong on this. There are many of us... because. Are you with me this morning? you tracking with me? It's quiet. It's really quiet. I'm starting to freak out a little bit, if I'm honest with you. Like maybe I'm not gifted to teach. Maybe I should step down for a minute. All right. So serving, all right? So what would serving look like here at Cornerstone? I would venture to bet that many of you have gone to another church before you came to Cornerstone. Am I right? Right? And so you probably left that church because one reason or another, whether it's a good reason or a bad reason, and I know the reason you came to Cornerstone, it's because it's a perfect church, <laughs> until you stepped in the door, right? No, 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 you realize that if Cornerstone is to be a light in this community, the only way it's going to be possible is if you use your gifts here, you don't get just to come and sit and show up and say, ah, oh, that was good for me, I feel ready to take on my, no, no, if, if, if we are to be what God has called us to be here in Easton and the Lehigh Valley, it requires your help. It requires you using the gifts that God has given you so that we can accomplish as the body of Christ all that he's called us to do here. We need you to serve. So don't just come to Cornerstone because you had this perspective that it was this perfect church where you could come and get everything that you needed because it's not, right? Right? And it's not going to be that if you're not using the gifts that God has given you. How about in contribution and generosity? Can I just say this? We have a generous church, don't we? I, I have to say that. I want to commend you for that. We have a generous church. Just this week, I had a mom reach out to me and share that there was a young lady who was looking to give up money for her Christmas gifts to a family in need. That's our church. That's the gift of generosity, that's what that is. It's the gift of generosity. You are a gen- that's one of many different examples of individuals at this church who just give generously with an attitude of generosity. That's amazing. You are to be commended for that. How about leading? It says here to lead with zeal. If you can't lead with zeal, you are likely sitting in somebody else's seat. Did you know that? If you can't lead with zeal and passion, you're probably getting in somebody else's way. Because what we do often is we hold on to the positions of power because we're afraid that somebody could do a better job than us. You're probably right. There's always somebody more talented, more capable, but God has placed you there to lead and you are to lead with zeal, not to be worried about what somebody else is doing. Do what God has gifted you and called you to to do. Lead with zeal. Or acts of mercy, it says to do acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So serving out of obligation is a disservice to yourself and to the body. But serving with cheerfulness creates an atmosphere of grace where people's needs can be met and where lives can be changed. These are just a few ways that we look at these gifts and this list of gifts see how they're meant to be used in the body of Christ. So what do you say we just try a couple on? Let's let's serve. Let's serve. Let's contribute generously. Let's lead in the areas that God has given us and let's show acts of mercy. Let's just try a couple of these gifts on for size and see if God doesn't have incredible things planned for your life and for this church. Amen. So could you imagine with me back to the beginning? Could you imagine Leah, such a great gift giver, right? thoughtful, intentional, puts time into the gifts that she gives me. If when I opened the gift or when she gave me the gift, I looked at it and I was disappointed to the point where it's like you could see it on my face. Could you imagine how that would make her feel like a Chris, like Ralphie in Christmas Story when he doesn't get the red rider BB gun? The disappointment that filled his soul, right? What do you think God does when He sees us not using the gifts He's given us. Oh, man, the God of all creation made you, designed you, gave you specific gifts to accomplish a specific task. Let's use our gifts. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this body. I thank you for this church, God. And God, I thank you that you didn't just save us, but God, you've given us a purpose. And God, that you've gifted us. Lord, how incredible is that? That you've given us gifts by your Spirit to accomplish what you've called us to, to see your kingdom come, to see your will be done. Lord, would we not be on the sidelines anymore? But God, would we find ways to get involved, Lord, to use the gift that you've given us to see your kingdom come and your will be done, to see you glorified, God, to see lives won for Christ and to see disciples made. Lord, I pray that as we listen to your word, God, that it would transform our hearts and that we would be moved to a place where we would use the gifts that you've given us. Lord, I ask your blessing on your word. I ask your blessing on this church. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.